Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer and I'll see you there. Welcome back to your Not the Only One series. This is episode two in our three-part series of You're Not the Only One. Today, we're talking about guiding the parents. So if you're new to the podcast and you're not following the series in order, You're Not the Only One is a special series that I started where we open the closed doors to real stories of real people so we can start to normalize the struggle, the joy, the grief, and the milestones so that we can find comfort and peace and grace in the community of leaders who are all doing hard things, finding meaning, purpose, and connection through this journey. In our stories, I hope that you're able to release the shame and guilt and maybe have a little giggle or a laugh and be able to really connect with the people that are sharing their stories. Sometimes we feel like I should know this or I'm really smart, so I should be able to figure this out. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about how you're not the only one in guiding parents. So why did I choose a specific topic in guiding the parents? Well, I find that many parents, many leaders feel lonely when they're trying to have conversations or enforce policy with parents specifically in the world that we live in now. You know, in this cancel culture, we feel that we might be crucified for anything that comes out of our mouth, not just like big concepts, like little things like, oh, you know, please bring extra diapers. And I find leaders are keeping their lips sealed about topics that they should be having conversations. Simple things like accountability with teachers or difficult conversations or accountability with families or billing questions. Leaders are terrified to speak. Why is this? Well, there was a paper by two political scientists that noted from the 1950s all the way to 2019, this is when the paper was done, self-censorship has actually tripled. From 1950 to 2019, self-censorship tripled. And the paper provided several interesting insights into this trend. One of the most interesting things in this trend is specifically done in the U.S. is that the self-censorship actually isn't coming from fear of government. It's fear that expressing an unpopular view will result in being isolated or alienated from family or friends. Okay, I, I want to repeat that because it's really important. The self-censorship is not coming from a fear of government. We thank God live in a democracy. We live in America. And this isn't about the fear of government. The self-censorship is coming from a fear that if you express an unpopular view, that expression will result in being isolated or alienated from family or friends. So while we need to be mindful of our words, we don't want to be hateful or hurtful or disrespectful. 
On the other hand, too much self-criticism or rumination on the imperfections of our words or actions or on the possibility of losing social standing, this actually can worsen our mental and physical health and the connection to your values and the vision that you have for your company. Let's take this even a step further. People with anxiety often edit what they're about to say in their minds because they don't want to offend anyone. They're waiting for the perfect moment to bring something up. They worry about the impact that they'll have on other people. In general, they assume the worst and worry about all the things that might go wrong. And so again, a little bit anxiety is normal. A little bit anxiety is just is part of being human. Severe anxiety, which is coming from this, like this tripling in self-censorship, it's a constant self-editing of what you're about to say. Going even further, people with anxiety are afraid to voice their ideas. They often feel unassertive or that others will take advantage of them. Stopping to self-censor is really, really hard. And you need to do it with people that you're comfortable with, with community. Because as you begin to do this, you will start to see the ease of being an independent thinker. Being an independent thinker is a skill that can be developed with practice. We cannot become independent thinkers when you're self-censoring. And I find that leaders are crippled by the ability to connect with families. And even more so, some of the micromanaged conversations that directors or teachers are having with families because they're terrified about what someone else might say. And so what we're really looking for as we understand how to guide and lead parents better in this era that we're living in, we need to understand that we need to make it safe enough to talk about almost anything. Because when a person feels safe, they will listen. And here's a really important thing I want you to remember. People rarely become defensive simply because of what you're saying. They become defensive when they no longer feel safe. The problem is not the content of what you're talking about. The issue is the condition of the conversation. So now let's dive into you're not the only one. In today's conversation, you're going to be hearing from two amazing owners from our Owners HQ program, Kayla Rush and Sandy Nelson. I asked them some very specific questions that I've been noticing a trend in the childcare space. So the first question that I asked them was, when you think of the last two years, how has this post-pandemic world impacted your decision-making with parents? You see, self-censorship impacts the quality of your decision-making. And what I talk about in our HQ program and our all our programs is that decision-making is a super skill for leaders, right? When you know how to trust yourself and trust your decision-making, you're in a completely different arena than anyone else. So let's hear what Kayla has to say about this topic. I would say it has impacted my decision-making greatly. One, I certainly overthink what and how I'm going to say things to parents. Um, I feel like you have to sugarcoat things a lot more, and you also have to be very strategic on which platform you send. Send it to multiple platforms. Parents are very easy to say, I didn't know that or get angry with you because they didn't when they simply don't either look at their email or send through the app. So we find that we are sending it communication three different ways to parents to reach everyone. And they certainly have more opinions than they used to prior to the pandemic. So it has certainly changed since then. One of the things that we feel 
that makes us feel like we're the only one is some of the intensity of emotions that we often feel in a specific situation. And specifically when it comes to like parental requests or, you know, things that parents ask via email or in person or over the phone, we feel this surge of emotions and we're like, whoa, right? Am I the only one? You're not the only one. So I want to invite you into Sandy and Kayla's stories. They'll share some specific examples and also just some things that hopefully will make you laugh. And I hope you find resonance in that whatever request you got from a parent or whatever, you know, email or, you know, kind thing or nasty thing or whatever it is that a parent told you, you're not the only one. Someone else has experienced it. Someone else has walked that path, similar path, the same path. And when you can remind yourself and anchor yourself in that, when you have to deal with these requests, it becomes a tad easier to create some distance between the stress, right? Like the request sometimes creates this flood of emotions or this stress or anxiety. And when we can pause and say, okay, I'm almost definitely not the only one who has a parent who has asked me something like this. So let me channel the army of school leaders and the energy of all of the school leaders who are navigating this. And I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. All is well. So let's listen to Sandy and Kayla's story. We feel a ton of emotions when we're dealing with families. And sometimes they come to us with the most ridiculous requests. A couple of weeks ago, I did a tour for our program. We are a preschool program. So we have children that are two to five. And we had parents that came in with a two-year-old and they asked us if we were going to teach the child to read. I really had to stop myself from laughing because I thought you have got to be kidding. They have, there's no way that's developmentally appropriate. But kind of as I was, as I was catching my breath there for a second, I remember these people have been at home. And they have no idea what's developmentally appropriate for their two-year-old. They have, they've not been out. They've not interacted with other parents, none of those things. So their understanding of what's appropriate, it's really skewed right now. So we took a few minutes and we talked about kind of the educational process and what two-year-olds typically are learning. And we talked about how we would get to those pre-reading skills and things in a couple of years, but we just needed to give them a little time. Another one that we get this every year, we do a family survey throughout the year and when uh, parents give us their feedback we also ask for comments or suggestions and so we get parents that every year will ask us can we have a drop-off line well our program is designed to help build community and so that requires that people come in they hang out at the classroom we actually have the classroom doors closed on purpose so that people will stand outside and talk to each other and so when we get that that response back that says oh we should do a drop-off line I just think that's just so counter to what our whole program is about so yeah there's a lot of times you just kind of have to giggle to yourself and think they maybe don't really get the point but that's okay we still want them to benefit from the decisions we're making feel like I get a rush of emotion. Um, first, it's kind of like, wow, okay, or are you kidding me? And then I have to take a step back and really think, okay, is this something that we can accommodate? Is there a compromise that we can potentially have? Or is this just a simply ridiculous request? Oftentimes, then we, I will go to the teachers and we will discuss it together. Is this possible? Is this something you're willing to do? Is it not something, kind of the reasons? And then we really work on that together. Sometimes it's really a black and white, depending upon what the request is of just a simple note that does not go along our policy. But I would certainly say that the interesting requests have certainly increased recently. When we're trying to navigate a really difficult situation, 
there's typically two responses that we'll have. Either we'll be like, I have to figure this out. I have to figure this out. We'll go to Google, we'll research, well, this, I have to figure this out. And then there's another response when we have a hard situation that we need to deal with, where we ask ourselves, who can help me? Who can I reach out to? The latter, when you ask yourself, who can help me is the mindset of someone who understands the power of community. Leaning into community helps you navigate life's everyday hardships and also big seasons and big decisions. And I find that leaning into community helps reaffirm your decisions, gives you reassurance, gives you comfort, gives you peace, and also just helps you find meaning in the madness sometimes that happens. It takes a lot of courage to lean into community. It takes a lot of courage to believe that you're worthy of asking for help, to believe that you deserve that someone should give you their time and attention and help you. And this is one of the things that are so powerful in the schools of excellence community where I talk so much and, and so much of the values that we embed into the program is you never need to hide any part of yourself. You are enough just the way you are. You don't need to hide any part of yourself. We don't self-censor or self-edit those parts of yourselves. And in the beginning, our members really have to learn to believe that they are deserving enough to ask for help, that it isn't arrogant to share their win with community, that the joy, the dopamine rush that we receive when we share a win and other people celebrate our wins with us, make us feel connected and joyful and are just one of the most beautiful moments that we can have in our lives. Those experiences of feeling like, oh, other people are happy for me. Other people want to celebrate. They're not jealous of me. They're happy for me. And then on the flip side, when we have a challenge and we come into community, we ask for help. There are people that are genuinely happy to say, hey, let me help you. Let me send you that PDF. Yeah, I dealt with that. You know, here's, you know, the mistakes that I made, like, you know, try this avenue instead. They're happy to give you their time because it's a collective community. There's receiving and there's giving. And in a season, where guiding parents and leading parents has never been more challenging. Leaning into community is an anchor that truly helps leaders navigate the day-to-days, but also consistently keep that beacon of hope and light and vision and joy and gratitude as part of what they're trying to build, right? It's it, it no longer becomes about, I have to do this and I need to do this and this has to get done and this deadline has to be met. It's ease, it's flow, it's calm confidence, it's joy, it's pride, it's celebration. So I want you to hear from both Sandy and Kayla again about their experiences with leaning into community in this season. I would say the community of Schools of Excellence in Owners HQ is incredible. People are very willing to share their feedback, share their ideas, share their experiences. And it truly is something you can look at and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm not alone. Or, oh my gosh, that's funny. I thought I had a ridiculous request that is more ridiculous, but it really does either really confirm, you can put out your ideas like, hey guys, what do you think of this response or how have you responded in the past? And people are more than willing to share and it really does affirm, okay, I'm not crazy or okay, I am reading that wrong. People are really great in the community. 
I do believe that having a community of people that are in this profession is really helpful to um, help us as we reach those questions and those decision times that we're just really a little stumped. Sometimes we're just a hair too close to what's going on. So it's great to be able to have either people in your local area that you connect with or friends here at Schools of Excellence to just say, hey, this thing's happening. Can you give me a different perspective and help me to reach a decision? I know I've been here for about a year now and it has, there's been a lot of times that I pop on and I can ask a question or I can share a win that in my normal range of friends, they would say, oh, you're bragging or, you know, that's not that big of a deal. But people that are really in this field and understand how important day-to-day decisions can be, we get it. We really get it. And it's great to know that we're here for each other. I hope that you had some laughs and maybe you even got emotional when you heard some of the stories that Kayla and Sandy had to share with you or some of the things that I shared with you. I guess I hope what you're feeling right now is a sense of belonging to a larger community of school leaders who are walking this path with you. You are not the only one. You are not the only one leading parents and guiding families. You are not the only one trying to lead yourself and manage yourself as we spoke in the previous episode. You belong to something much greater than yourself. And sometimes as we're trying to navigate building our centers, we think, oh, you know, I need to learn how to be profitable. I need to learn how to market. I need to learn how to fill the center. I need to learn how to, you know, acquire things. I need to learn how to do acquisition or expansion or my exit strategy. All of those things are important. I'm not going to take that away. When you have community, when you have people where you don't need to hide any part of yourself, when you have a community of people that you can celebrate and share your wins with, when you have a community of people that you can ask for help and talk to about real stuff, real things that are going on, why you get triggered by this parent, why it's so hard for you to have this conversation, what you need to shift in your identity and your mindset to step up and unlock the next step of greatness, the real stuff, the real stories, the real deal, not the superficial stuff. That belongs in community. And if anything that we shared today resonated with you, and if you're looking for a community and you're looking for a coaching program and community of mentorship and other school leaders who can guide you through your journey of being a school leader, then I encourage you to check out our Owners HQ program or Directors in Our Circle. The link is in the show notes. You can read more about the program, fill out an application, and you and I will get on a call to really determine right fit, to really see, hey, is this you know the best next step for you in this season of life. I want to thank you for joining us for the second episode and You're Not the Only One. And next week is our final episode in the series, You're Not the Only One in Leading Your Team. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.